This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, October 7th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, preliminary voodoo work begins. Theater returns to Nukla High. A day in the life of a miner with Fintan Cole. And a mountain weather forecast. The voodoo housing development is nearly ready to break ground, or at least underground. Sewer line runs. Uh, it's a major sewer line that accesses up uh, North Willow Street, the residential neighborhoods, goes across Colorado Avenue, goes towards the post office, but then turns and heads west down the alley to right behind the Marshalls building and then heads south. That's Lance McDonald, project manager for the town of Telluride, speaking before town council this week. So the plan would be is to uh, decommission that sewer line and put the new sewer line in Willow Street. So the sewer line would just go straight across Colorado Avenue, down Willow Street to Pacific Avenue and join the sewer main coming from Town Park. Before major construction begins on the Voodoo project, the sewer line needs to be moved. And if it's going to happen this year, it needs to happen fast. The town of Telluride does not permit this type of construction after November 1st. McDonald notes they originally anticipated moving the sewer line would be part of the full Voodoo construction, but town council hasn't approved moving forward with the development yet. He says it may be prudent to move the sewer line now so construction can hit the ground running once approval does, in theory, go through. The first phase after doing the utility relocates is to drive piles, which are the supporting structure for the foundation, or the foundational supporting structure for for the structural elements of the building, and also start doing some of the concrete work for the foundation. Now, because of the groundwater table, it would make a lot of sense to not wait until the springtime to relocate the sewer line and then start driving the piles at that point. We can drive the piles during the winter months. We can actually work on the foundation excavation, even pour concrete during the winter. So uh, this would allow us to uh, hit the ground running, so to speak, if council elected to proceed with the construction. According to McDonald, the reroute of the sewer line will require a closure of the alley behind the Voodoo lot with the potential for single-lane traffic on Willow and Pacific. He says it should take approximately three weeks to complete the work. Council unanimously supported moving the sewer line. Town Council plans to discuss and approve or deny the Voodoo housing development at its November 15th meeting. It's passing period at the Nucla High School, and students are clamoring into a windowless home ec classroom deep in the bowels of the building. As they settle into the room, students dig in their bags looking for scripts, or to their director's chagrin, run back to their lockers to fetch their forgotten papers. Yeah, we need to find a little binder for your packet because yours was the script I found. I just throw it in my locker. I can tell. Well, I can I tell. But look, it's, it hasn't it's been ripped apart. It just hasn't been I lost the first. Today, due to various absences and field trips, Brock Benson's theater class is only five students, but their chatter makes the room feel full. The class is working on their midterm project, which will be an adaptation of a 1950s radio play. The students will record and turn the play into an old-fashioned radio performance. Topic for today's rehearsal include accents of the British and French varieties and the horror of hearing one's own voice on tape. Okay, so if I want to do British, I want to do My Lady instead of Mademoiselle. 
Milady. Milady. All right. So British. British. I was not. I sounded you guys all have great voices. The, 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 the hard part is your brain doesn't normally hear your voice like that. Brock Benson, a podcaster, DJ, bicycle mechanic, and actor, recently moved back to Nukla from Denver. This summer, he began talking with the Nukla High School about reviving its theater program, and those discussions quickly became a reality. We just arranged it this summer and kind of threw me into the curriculum, and I didn't didn't know how many kids I would have, what the interest would be like, what the talent pool would be like, so kind of making it up as I go along, but I've got some really bright and really talented kids, and they're actually challenging me quite a bit. Benson dons a thick auburn beard and has a towering yet comforting presence. His history with Nukla and with theater go back to the very building where he now holds rehearsal. So I grew up in Nukla. Uh, my family had a cattle ranch, and my dad was the superintendent of the Peabody Coal Mine when it was here. And I did my first, like, real play with lights and all that on the stage here at the high school. So I moved away in 90 when the mine shut down. My parents divorced, and I ended up in Moffat County High School, which had a big theater and a nice program, and I got recruited into that. And I was one of those kids that needed theater. Funding is limited at the high school for arts in particular. Putting together a radio drama relieves some of the requirements of a full production, Benson says. They haven't had a program over here in years and years, and these kids have never had much exposure to theater or creating your, your art form from out of nothing. So they're responding very well to everything. We don't have space, we don't have lights, we don't have a lot of stuff we need for production, but this we can produce and do and, and showcase their talents and still show that the program is producing something that benefits the kids. The students in Benson build off each other's energy. Their shared presence is a source of mutual delight. One of the performers, Paige Spore, says she is loving her first theater experience. I am Teresa in a scrap of lace, and I am a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My drama experience, this is my first year. I'm actually having a great time. Um, Hopefully this will help me fix my stage fright. When I asked Paige's sister, Marie, what her first experience with theater has been like, she sums it up in a word. Amazing. (laughs) Because it's like a new learning experience, and I'm like really into the arts stuff. Marie's other art form? Band. I've actually been doing it since middle school. Penson says returning to Nukla after spending over a decade away has not always been easy. Shortly after he departed, the mine shut down. Although Benson's return was filled with a sense of homecoming, much of what he found was troubling. These nuclear Natarita, these communities have been just ravaged economically. We're shocked at the amount of crystal meth and poverty that's kind of crept in. And as these industries have gone away, like this area has kind of been left to die. And so I just feel really called to serve my community and I really kind of am into our history of Nuclea and the spirit of the pioneers that came out and built this ditch and settled this place and kind of built everything from the ground up. And I see a real need for that again, for like the new generation of pioneer to come in and get their hands dirty and rebuild the community and lift it up. And my hope for the program is that theater finds its place in this community as it begins to retell its story as to who we are and how we're surviving and what we're doing. 
If Benson says he needed theater back when he found it at the Nucla High School, he hopes that theater and storytelling can be, in return, what this community needs now. After class, walking out of the school into the desert sun, I pass the band room, and students are already getting on to their next activity. You can't touch this. Fall is in the air and fall sports are moving towards their championships. This week on A Day in the Life of a Minor, Telluride High School's Finton Cole brings the latest. Have a listen. Happy October, everyone. Boys Varsity Soccer won against the Ridgeway Demons 2 to nothing. Kai Kasuno and Elaine Montano scored each of the two goals. They also won against the Cortez Panthers 8-0. Owen Blount and Jackson Shumway each scored one goal, and Kai Kasuno and Taylor Holmes both got three. They have a road game against the Rocky Mountain Oysters, a home game against the Ridgeway Demons, a road game against the Caprock Academy Eagles, and a home game against the Crested Butte Titans in hopes to win enough to make the state tournament this year. Girls Varsity Volleyball won against the Crested Butte Titans 3-0, ending their five-game losing streak. They played the Norwood Mavericks and won 3-0 and lost to the Mancos Blue Jays 3-1. The top players for those games combined were Bryn Geiger against Crested Butte and Rachel Wiseman and Isla Silva against the Mavericks. The team has home games against the Ridgeway Demons, the Gunnison Cowboys, the Ignacio Bobcats, and the Mancos Blue Jays. Bound to win a couple of them, but odds for the state tournament are yet to be decided. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Fenton Cole reporting live from Telluride High School, and we'll see you next week. It's the perfect season for a weekend drive to see the fall colors. But if you're driving the back roads this Saturday, prepare to share the road with cyclists. The first ever Telluride gravel race is coming through town. The bike race offers two course options, an 85-mile course starting in Telluride, winding to Trout Lake, Wilson Mesa, Hastings Mesa, and Deep Creek Mesa, all before coming back to Telluride. The short course option, a mere 45 miles, follows much the same course as the long course, skipping its ride up Wilson Mesa. The Telluride Gravel Bike Race will take off from the Oak Street Gondola Plaza on Saturday, October 8th. Dread it or love it, the holiday season is coming soon. Getting into the spirit, the Grand Mesa and Compagre and Gunnison National Forests will soon start issuing permits for harvesting Christmas trees on National Forest land. The permits will be available on recreation.gov beginning on October 13th and can be found by visiting the website and searching the National Forest's name followed by Christmas Tree Permit. Information about designated cutting areas and dates will be provided. Locations for harvesting are chosen based on where tree thinning would benefit forest health and animal habitat. 
Getting a tree from the forest is a tradition for many families, but don't go too soon, or else your tree will be a mere skeleton come December. The Sheridan Arts Foundation is announcing its lineup for the winter season with new programming on offer from October until April. Tickets for most of the season's shows are available for purchase as of Friday, October 7th. The centerpiece of the Sheridan's winter programming is its holiday concert series, which marks the nonprofit's largest fundraiser and features a whole week of merriment culminating in a New Year's gala. Following a quieter off-season schedule at the Opera House, early 2023 will bring the experimental dance band Dirtwire to town, a youth theater performance of Chicago, and much more. For the full lineup, visit SheridanOperaHouse.com. From wildfires to drought and dwindling snowpack, local communities are facing the impacts of human-caused climate change. That's why eight mayors and county commissioners from Aspen to Vail got together for a public panel last week to talk about solutions. As Aspen Public Radio's Eleanor Bennett reports for Rocky Mountain Community Radio, the conversation mostly focused on the need for more regional collaboration. A mix of local residents and international delegates made up the audience at last Wednesday's panel discussion. The local panel was part of the recent UN Mountain Partnership convening at the Aspen Institute. Aspen International Mountain Foundation board member John Starr helped organize the discussion and introduced the panelists. We have before us the mayors of every single valley community in our area, 43 miles long, and our friends from Vail and Eagle County have joined us. The panel was moderated by the Community Office for Resource Efficiency and included the mayors of Aspen, Snowmass Village, Basalt, Carbondale, and Glenwood Springs, as well as the mayor of Vail and two commissioners from Pitkin and Eagle Counties. Starr says it's rare for elected officials from Aspen to Vail to gather in one spot, especially to talk about climate change. And he wasn't alone in that sentiment. Here's Glenwood Springs Mayor Jonathan Godis. Five years ago, you wouldn't have had a representative from Glenwood Springs here. Our community has shifted um, quite a bit to understanding the importance of climate change. Not for any other reason than we've had to. Gotis says recent events have made it difficult to ignore the local realities of a warming planet. We've had a number of fires, the Grizzly Creek fire, Storm King fire. Um, we've lost lives, we've lost homes. We've had a 500-year rain event that just happened last year that closed I-70 for two weeks and cost the state economy hundreds of millions of dollars. His fellow panelists agreed that an increase in extreme weather linked to human-caused climate change has pushed public awareness and local policies to a new level. Here's Basalt Mayor Bill Kane. Less than 24 hours ago, our town council, with counsel from CORE and from, with a lot of help from Holy Cross Electric Association, we adopted a sweeping changes to our building code. Kane says Basalt's Town Council voted almost unanimously last Tuesday to approve the updated building and energy requirements for new construction. And we adopted another uh, kind of visionary piece, which everybody in this room is aware of, called the Roadmap to Net Zero, uh, which is not politically easy to accomplish. 
The council voted 4-2 for the roadmap, which outlines the town's goal to have new homes and buildings rely completely on renewable energy by 2031. And Basalt is not alone in its efforts. Vale also recently adopted more climate-friendly building requirements. Aspen is considering amending its building code next month. And all of the municipalities represented on Wednesday's panel have some sort of climate action plan or goal in place. Here's Aspen Mayor Tory. We're looking at uh, getting to net zero um, for our community in, in GHG, um, 63% by 2030 and 100% by 2050. Vail Mayor Kim Ling Maid was also on last week's panel. She says the town is working on tangible climate goals like electrifying new affordable housing projects and transitioning Vail's fleet of cars to be all electric. In 2015, we really became part of the larger countywide climate action collaborative and set goals in alignment with the collaborative and the other municipalities. Carbondale Mayor Ben Baumfox says he's often impressed by what many neighboring communities are up to, and that sparks some competition. You know, we still want to be the first one to net zero, and so do all of you, right? So we're, we're kind of competing in that way. And I think that that can be really healthy and good that we're all kind of striving to be on the cutting edge of, um, of policies that'll, that'll address the impacts of climate change. While some healthy competition can be good, Baumfox also thinks that a new regional coalition might be needed. You know, I don't care if the project is in Aspen or Grand Junction or Carbondale. If it's going to reduce X number of metric tons of carbon from the atmosphere, that's a that's a win. And I can imagine a future in which uh, maybe we collaborate more around those goals and contribute to each other's projects because the climate doesn't care where the reductions come from. Most of his fellow panelists agreed, saying they'd like to build on regional efforts already underway by groups like CORE, Holy Cross Energy and the Roaring Fork Transportation Authority. Many also acknowledge that regional collaboration doesn't just require better communication between neighboring governments, but also an effort to engage a wide range of local residents from different backgrounds. Mayor Baumfox says that's especially important in his county. Garfield County is one of the biggest natural gas and oil producing counties, mostly natural gas in the state and and sometimes in the country. And so it's um, within our county, we have communities that are very reliant on the natural gas industry for jobs and, and tax revenue and their basic economic life. He says he's been learning a lot about finding common ground on climate action from the Garfield Clean Energy Collaborative. Some language that helps us um, talk about these things together are words like efficiency, you know, energy independence, sort of resonates across political divides. Um, affordability, talking about lowering people's electric bills and stability, things like that. For her part, Vale Mayor Kim Langmaid says it's a worthy challenge and one that certainly isn't new. It's always been, a, you know, this dynamic tension between environment, economic development, and community, and really making sure that we can embrace all of those. Eleanor Bennett, Aspen Public Radio News. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a mostly clear night tonight with a low around 35. Saturday should be mostly sunny with a high near 60 and a slight chance of showers in the afternoon. Saturday night calls for mostly clear skies with a low around 35 degrees. Sunday should be mostly sunny with a high near 55 and a slight chance of afternoon showers. Then Sunday night calls for mostly clear skies and a low of 35 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, October 7th. Thanks for listening. 
If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. If you have ever been interested in starting your own business caring for infants and toddlers, then please join me, Kathy, from Bright Futures Strong Start Program at the library on Wednesday, October 12th. Pop in anytime from 2 to 6 p.m. to talk more about opening your own family child care home in a brand new four-bedroom Sunnyside unit. Learn more about what it means to be the owner and operator of your own in-home child care. Bright Future's Strong Start program is here to support you through the process and answer all of your questions. For more information, please visit brightfuturesforchildren.org. Again, anytime from 2 to 6 on Wednesday, October 12th, I'll be at the library to talk about opening your own family child care. See you there. Thanks, Kodo. Buenas tardes. Soy Úrsula, la maestra de la escuela secundaria um, acá en Telluride. Junto con el Departamento de Español y el programa de inmersión dual, queremos invitarlos a ustedes y a su familia a la celebración del mes de la hispanidad acá en la escuela. Tendremos una película en el teatro, concurso de postres, una rica cena para compartir con ustedes y sus familias. Esto será el día jueves 13 de octubre a partir de las 5.30 de la tarde acá en el Teatro de la Escuela. Tendremos niñeras para que cuiden a sus hijos. Hello, I'm Ursula. I'm your teacher at the high school. And with the Spanish department and the dual immersion program, we'd love to invite you and your family to celebrate the Hispanic Month. We will have a movie in the theater, um, dessert, a contest, an awesome meal served by an, an incredible Mexican restaurant here in town. And this is going to happen this Thursday, October 13, and we start at 5.30 o'clock. We will have babysitters for your little ones, and we will have a um, also a great time to be together. Uh, we hope to see you there. Please um, call Miss Erica or myself or Miss Joanna or the posters to sign up and bring your little ones. We'll see you there. Bye. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.